Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Let's try some football! Run right to the back of him. Run right to the middle and out the back. What's known in football terms as a slam dunk. Welcome in to Daytime Fireworks. I am your host, Zach Barry. We are here to recap week one Ole Miss blowout victory over Mercer 73-7. to Our good buddy David Brandt of the Associated Press is here. David, good morning. How are we recovering from a uh, three-day weekend with college football? Yeah, it was almost like a... Uh... A four day weekend with the with the game last night too, but yeah, it was uh, it was great. It was it was great to have real football, good games, um, not a lot of surprises, but that was uh, it's it's good to be back. It is. It, it was uh, it was it was a weird start to the weekend. I felt like Thursday was Friday, and then Friday felt like Saturday. It was all out of whack. Um, <laughs> but I'll like tell my you, whole life right there. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I, that's that's hashtag dad right there. Um, right. I'll tell you what though, a place that uh, always has the correct day on the calendar. And uh, speaking of Saturdays, they will get you ready for Saturdays. That is the College Corner, eight two five Sisk Avenue, Suite one hundred five in Oxford. Brand new store. They are there. They've got everything you need for the Grove for New Orleans. If you're going to see the Rebels take on Tulane this weekend. They have got everything from polos, T-shirts, hats, all of that and more. College Corner in Oxford, Mississippi. Looking forward to getting down there next month when I'm in town to go check it out. They have got tons and tons of good stuff when it comes to polos, when it comes to, look, at rest in power to a king, Jimmy Buffett. If you want to get a Hawaiian shirt, they've got that. If you want to get your Jimmy Buffett vibe on. You can do that as well. Um, I'm a big fan of Cutter and Buck golf polos. I love the fit. They've got those there. They have got Columbia, uh, a new brand that I'm not familiar with, but it looks pretty sharp on the website. Horn Legend, they've got that. They've got all the Ole Miss National Champion baseball stuff you can possibly think of. Go check them out, College Corner. Tell Scott and the folks that uh, we said, hey, from daytime fireworks when you get in there and get ready for the fall. All right. Ole Miss, 73 to 7. We're not going to get into the weeds here because of uh, the way this one unfolded, David, but um, probably as good a start in week one as you could ask for if you're an Ole Miss fan. Jackson Dart, you know, quote, named the starter before the game. Um, that was not really a uh, a huge mystery, but um, seventy three to seven. Dart started eleven for eleven, ended up over three hundred yards, four touchdowns. Trey Harris announced himself to the world. What was your uh, I guess main takeaways from Saturday's blowout? Well, yeah, like you talked about, it it doesn't really outside of that seventy five yard run for Mercer that I'm <laughs> sure had Pete Golding's blood pressure spiked about a hundred points right there. But out, outside of that, it was, it went about as well as possible. I was about to say that, you know, Jackson Dart starts out, you know, 11 of 11 sharp. I, I thought Trey Harris was fun to watch just because, you know, you, you always at this point start making comparisons to who does he look like? And I kind of settled on, there's a, there's a little Laquan Treadwell in there. There's a little Shea Hodge, if you remember him. Okay. Um, yeah you know, just kind of, you know, strong, shifty, you know, I like that 6'2", 205, not like a monster receiver, but you can tell, and it's, you know, we're 
you know, Ole Miss was playing Mercer, it obviously gets a lot harder. But I, I really like the way he ran after the catch, um, you know, fought for extra yards. So, yeah, that connection, Dart to Harris, get that going. Quinshawn Judkins does his thing. You don't have to run him too much. He gets a couple touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, that's that's exactly what you want from a, a, a week one game like that. Since you're throwing out comps here, I'll give you one that I just thought of and just the mannerisms and how he looked after the catch kind of gave me some like thick DeMarcus Lodge vibes. Yeah. Like a yeah, like DeMarcus, a, DeMarcus like Lodge really is one of the long, underrated receivers of the last like 20 years at all this. There are some similarities. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, like really, really long, like the arms are long and then like a long strider really separated right. in the open field once he got uh got the football in his hands. But um yeah, shifty. Like he he made some some really good moves on um I believe it was the third touchdown catch where um tough kind grab and, out of contact, yeah. Like yeah, you know, tough which... grab in traffic, little little uh little sidestep and then yeah, spin into the end zone. That was impressive. Um you mentioned the run on the first play from scrimmage for Mercer. I believe I don't have this confirmed, but I did hear from a couple people that I believe the Mercer quarterback runs a four or five. Um, and yeah, I he think looked like uh, he ran a three, five on that <laughs> play, right? With, there. <laughs> well, I was going to say it was impressive. So it was man coverage. And I think Ole Miss's defense, they brought a, a blitz from, um, I guess the, the field side. And then I think they got a little lost with the jet motion, but so it, you know, the hole opened and then it was, I mean, it was the perfect, you know, oh, yeah. I mean, zone read Mercer, that, that was a really good play call right there. Like you said, they, they caught Ole Miss wanting to be aggressive early and set the tone. And they kind of, they called a play that was perfect for that. So things happened. It was um, the one thing I'll say that was impressive was Cedric Johnson was now he was about five to six yards behind him, but he was step for step. Like he tried to run him down and the big man was running pretty well. Um, he did. He did. I wondered who that was. <laughs> I saw that Jersey respect. Um, the, the important thing after that, you know, Kiffin made the joke, you know, Hey, we paid you a lot of money to come here. You got to fix that, you know, mess him with Pete Golding. Um, and yeah, the defense put the clamps down on them after that. They didn't get over 100 yards rushing um, for the day. It was uh, it was an impressive showing by the defense. Looking at the stats here, um, only 235 total yards, 142 through the air. Um, 4.6 yards per completion is impressive for the defense. That shows good coverage and just flying to the football and ensure tackles. Um and then, yeah, they only averaged 2.5 yards per rush. So after that one, the uh, the average went down consider a considerable amount. But um, the offense is the story here. 667 total yards. Um, Dart was impressive. I, I wasn't shocked there. I, I think he's going to be a man on a mission this season. Um, really excited to see what he does this weekend, and we'll get to that in the second segment. National audience on the road. You know, a lot of people would probably, you know, be saying, oh, like two lanes, a trendy pick here. You know, watch out for the green wave. But um, I, I like Ole Miss in a big way on Saturday, and I think Dart's going to have another big day. But the other storyline, David, the two backup quarterbacks came in and the offense just kept on going. Yeah, I noticed that. I really like, you know, just watching Sanders throw the ball. Looks really good. Um you know, I, I think obviously depth at that position, you never know, even a rolled ankle for a week or two. Um, I think a lot of good teams have that backup who can come in for a game or two and and absolutely, sorry, I pulled off the, uh, oh, there we go, Spencer Sanders, 8 of 14, 134, you know, and Walker Howard even looked fine. So I, yeah. I think they've got depth there. Um, they'll be fine. And, and I think that's just, again, all the things, you know, you check the boxes of the depth. You want to see your your good players look good and play well. And then the backups did fine, too. So, um, yes, I think they have more than one quarterback. And in the college football season, that is a nice thing to have. I do wonder, and I don't know if they actually knew it in the locker room, uh, it would seem pretty obvious that Dart was going to be the guy. He was taking all the first team reps all spring and summer, but 
I do wonder if with Spencer Sanders being the number two guy, being the backup and not being the starter like he was at Oklahoma State and feeling that pressure of the Big 12 and the defense was a struggle there during his time and he felt like he had to score every single possession. I do wonder if that takes a little pressure off of him and he can just kind of relax and just go play. Um, I, I think that, you know, maybe they, maybe Ole Miss can unlock something there where he can come in in some packages and some spots and, and make some plays where he's not feeling pressed, you know, to the nines to have to make the big 60 yard bomb throw every time he's under center. So um, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how he's, going to factor into this offense later this season because I do think they're going to want to play him and take some you know once they get into SEC play you know Dart's going to want to run the football and be physical and I do wonder if they're going to try to work Sanders in to you know take some shots off of Dart yeah I mean the thing is if Sanders has played a ton of football it would be kind of just a shame to leave somebody like that on the bench all year you know what I mean like it, it just he's yeah. he's got a skill set he's done it at a high enough level during mm-hmm. his time at Oklahoma State that there's got to be something he can do and I mm-hmm. think he showed on Saturday that he could be a useful piece in some ways um I, I think Jackson Dart did nothing to disprove that he's the guy but yeah when you've got somebody like Spencer Sanders when you've kind of got a wealth of of riches a little bit there at quarterback I, I think Lane Kiffin even if Jackson Dart stays healthy all year, which, you know, Lord willing, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think they will find some way to use Spencer Sanders. Before we get to Tulane, I do want to throw a couple shout outs to uh, some defensive players that had big days. Um, the leading tackler, true freshman, five-star plus linebacker signee, Sontarian Perkins. He had nine tackles, one sack, one tackle for loss and defended a pass. Um, pretty much did everything but get an interception to match what you know Tony Connor did in his debut against Vandy <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, uh, he was in, extremely impressive in space. I'm excited to see him and how he evolves over time this season. Um, and then Xavier Harris, the big defensive lineman from uh, for Madison, um, you know, he had kind of you know a little bit of a baby deer at times, but just you know, he's so big and large and he was kind of learning the position and learning to, you know, get comfortable with his technique and things like that. Um, when he first got to Ole Miss, he looked like a monster out there. He looked like an Alabama defensive lineman, um, six tackles, two and a half tackles for loss and a sack. Um, those two were the big ones that stood out to me. Those are two guys you can build a defense around. Yeah, no, I thought that was a great start for Perkins too. Like the Tony Connor, comparisons are really I, I like those I just think that's kind of an accurate you know he's listed I'm looking at 6'3 205 I think that was you know sort of almost that safety linebacker hybrid like you said really good in mm-hmm. space um, which obviously in today's game might be the most valuable trait for a defensive player and then and then Harris was great like you said and sometimes it just takes those defensive linemen a year or two to figure themselves out a little bit. You know, there's a lot of strategy into that position. There's a lot of, you know, and it helps your plan Mercer, but it, you know, confidence is important and mm-hmm. getting started like that two and a half tackles for loss. That's a good start for him. One thing, uh, one last thing I'll point out before we take the break here, I will say Ole Miss fans should probably be a little, uh, a little happy, a little pleased with this. Um, it takes a while before you get to a, uh, a tackler, in the box score that's in the secondary. You got Perkins, who's a linebacker. Harris, who's a defensive lineman. Tyler Banks, linebacker. Ashanti Sistrunk, linebacker. Cedric Johnson, defensive end. Kari Coleman, linebacker. Then you get to Zamari Walton, who's a corner. Um, I know it's Mercer, like you said, so we're, we're, we're not banging the drum here that this is a top 10 defense yet, but um, I, I think it's good for that linebacker room because there were a lot of question marks there. How was uh you know how was Pete Golding uh going to affect that that room and the production? But yeah, game one, um, a lot of guys flying around. Yeah, absolutely, and that's that's a good point. What you said about the tackles, you know, and, and having 
linebackers and linemen near the top instead of, you know, you know, if your safety had like 16 tackles, it might've been a long day for the defense. So <laughs> that's not always the case. It kind of depends on how everybody's set up and everything. Sometimes if the safety's making tackles, but it, you know, that's not a bad thing, but yeah, a lot of times you'd like to see those LBs up a little mm-hmm. higher and, and not the safeties as much. All right. Speaking of LBs, we're going to head to our break. One of our proud sponsors, LB's Meat Market in Oxford. I do want to remind you, they do have plate lunches. They are back. Go check out Greg and the folks there. Go get you a plate lunch. I know they had some Philly cheesesteaks last week that looked incredible. Um, When I get back to Oxford, I will be sure to go swing through and get a plate lunch. We're going to take our first break here, here from Greg and the folks at LB's and the rest of the sponsors that make this show possible. So hang tight. We'll be right back. The College Corner is headed to Oxford. Stop by their new location in the Oxford Commons off Sisk Avenue. They'll have 4,000 square feet of Rebel gear ready for your trip to the Grove. On your next trip to Oxford, stop by the College Corner or our other great locations in Ridgeland and Flowood. Hats, shirts, polos, pullovers, sweats, t-shirts. College Corner has it all. And as always, you can visit us online at collegecornerstore.com. That's collegecornerstore.com. The College Corner, where your game day apparel meets. Are you looking at cutting your health insurance premiums by as much as 20 to 30%? Are you aging into Medicare and need help finding a Medicare supplement plan? Call Drew Moak of USA Benefits Group at 601-953-8449. Drew is an Ole Miss grad located in Mississippi and licensed in seven states. He works with the nation's second largest health insurance brokerage with access to 35 different carriers, and he can help you with any of your health insurance needs. From regular health plans to life insurance to dental and vision and even Medicare, he has it all covered. Now more than ever, it is critical to have a health insurance agent who is local and accessible. So call Drew Moak at 601 953-8449 and get your free quote today. The signs of summer are here. Freshly mowed grass, days in the water at the ballpark, and all the rest on the golf course. Well, that's how we do it over here at Oxford and Ole Miss anyway. And PXG Golf Apparel is here to make sure you're locked and loaded for round after round at University Course or Oxford Country Club. PXG has taken its mission to create the most high-quality, high-performance golf clubs in the game to their new line of apparel as well. With PXG Apparel, there's something for everyone, from pants, polos, and sweaters to hats, joggers, and skirts. You'll usually find me with a hat on my head, and PXG has nailed the fitted breathable, and my navy goes with pretty much anything. So don't wait another second. Elevate your style game on and off the course with the PXG Spring Summer 2024 Collection. Head over to pxg.com slash TOC and use promo code TOC for Talk of Champions at checkout to save 10% on all apparel. That's pxg.com slash TOC, code TOC for Talk of Champions to save 10% on apparel. PXG, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions podcast network. Save big on brunch for mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And we are back here on Daytime Fireworks. Zach Barry, David Brandt here with you, recapping week one. Ole Miss 1-0. They will now head to New Orleans to take on Tulane. I uh, caught a good bit of the Tulane game. I don't know how much you got. Um, but um, they were able to sneak out a dub against South Alabama. I think that was a trendy one for a lot of folks. That one was gonna be uh, was going to be a fun one. They, they end up winning by 20, 37 to 17. Um, I will say it was, it got a little squirrely at times. Um, right at halftime, um, Tulane had a couple big touchdown passes, extended the lead to 24, 10 at the break. Then, uh, South Alabama came out and answered, cut it to seven and then Tulane put their foot on the gas and then put it cruise control. Um, one thing that stood out to me, I watched the end of that one. Michael Pratt was limping real bad. Um, 
and victory formation after the game, walking around, shaking hands. He did not look comfortable. Um, but we've talked about it already. We talked about it last week. And this Tulane team that was so good a year ago, won 11 games, beat SC in the Cotton Bowl. They lost a ton. Um, they get a dub against a pretty spunky South Alabama team. But how do you see this one going in New Orleans? Yeah, that's an interesting point about Michael Pratt. If he if he he needs to be healthy, he had an incredibly efficient performance throwing the yeah. ball against South Alabama. 14 of 15, 294 yards, four touchdowns. That's about talk about doing the most with your chances. You can, right. you can just about do right there. He did fine. But um I, I like him. Um I I think this is a good if Ole Miss is going to be what it believes it's going to be this year I think they are a little better than Tulane I think they should win that game and I think the way the schedule sets up you know with a Mercer than a Tulane then you start getting more into the conference play type area of your schedule I think that's a good step up so I'm like you I I like Ole Miss here I I think um yeah I you know I watched mostly just the highlights of that Tulane game so I'm not going to you know, claim to profess to be an expert on their team, but just watching Michael Pratt run around, I think he can make plays and challenge the, the Ole Miss defense to a point. Like, I, I still think the Ole Miss defense should be able to handle that, but I think it's, again, it's mm-hmm. a good second test, a good step up. Yeah, uh, my good buddy Gray Hardison did a little chart here um, of something that stood out to him, and and, and now that I've seen it, it uh, definitely – Gives me, you know, a little vindication on how I feel this game is going to go on Saturday. But South Alabama had five turnovers in that game and a turnover on downs. But they still managed to be eight for 13 on third down, which is pretty good. I didn't realize they had five turnovers. I knew they had a few. But, yeah, that makes it because, you know, South Alabama, like you said, is a is a spunky program. They've always been – not always, but are usually competitive in games like this. But, yeah, I, I don't think – Tulane just set the world on fire or anything with their performance. Um, So, yeah, the the Green Wave had touchdown passes of – three touchdown passes of 45-plus yards. And this is where their drive started, David. On the South Alabama 38, their own 47, South Alabama 43, South Alabama 47, South Alabama 25, and South Alabama 17. Um. Tulane fumbled on one of those, and the last was at the end of the game when they were kneeling it out. Um, So, yeah, seven-point game midway through the third, and then they hit that long touchdown pass, and then South Alabama went turnover on downs, interception, and fumble. Um, Those starting positions for those drives are pretty advantageous, and and I I do feel pretty confident um, that that's not going to be the case against Ole Miss, just better athletes, better defense. And then Ole Miss's offense, um, you know, they're going to go as fast as they can. And I just, I, I don't think Tulane's going to have the athletes in space to slow down a Trey Harris and Aiden Williams, a Jordan Watkins, a Dayton Wade. And then if they do somehow figure out a way to do something to slow it down a little bit, they're just going to hand it off to number four. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And Ole Miss always has the ability, like you said, to kind of take the air out of the ball if they want to with with some of that stuff. So, yeah, no, I I think Ole Miss is set up as as well as possible. And I I think if they play well, they should win. Now, Tulane is good enough. I think Michael Pratt obviously has shown enough arm talent and everything that if, if Ole Miss gets sloppy or pulls a, you know, like we saw with LSU and Clemson this week, you know, make terrible fumbles at inopportune times, then things could get weird. But I, I do think that Ole Miss is the more talented team. Yeah, I, I'm sure that that one thing in, in, in gambling circles this week will be, was this a look-ahead spot for Ole Miss? Um, I, I think that this team is, is experienced and there's a lot of veteran leadership with the returning guys and then – Look, we, we, we've talked about it a lot in the offseason with all the, the transfer portal additions. It's, they're all a bunch of older guys. It's not, it's not a youthful influx of talent. It's a lot of dudes that have played a lot of football and have been around the block, and I think they're going to be focused heading into this road game. I think that's a big thing here is uh, 
it's on the road. I feel like there's going to be a, a certain level of preparedness and um, they're going to be locked in and laser focused going on the road at new Orleans to, uh, to get this win before they even come close to thinking about Alabama. But um, yeah, I, I like Ole Miss big here. Um, I, I think they probably, I, I don't know, 44, 16, something like that. Yeah, that feels, you know, especially since it's at Tulane, that might be a, a slightly aggressive, but I could definitely see that happening. Um, yeah, more, you know, probably more like Tulane's 37-21 or something like that. That's what I see. But Because, uh, okay. I, I, like you said, I think they will take the air out of the ball at some point. I don't know if they'll be throwing it all over the entire game, but they certainly look good against Mercer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um... Really, really intrigued to see uh, Tulane's kind of point of attack and, and what they want to do. Um, you know, what? how are they going to try to attack this defense? Because they they were extremely multiple, um, but pretty much did a lot of base stuff. They didn't show a ton. But as we talked about, Xavier Harris was big, Cedric Johnson. Um, and then the rest of that that front seven was was pretty effective. So, you know, is Tulane, you know, are, are they going to try to a lot of smoke and mirrors, a lot of screens, a lot of trick plays? Like what, what's, you know, are they going to try to play keep away and and just methodically try to move the clock, uh, move the chains to, you know, keep the Ole Miss offense off the field? I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what Willie Fritz does. So, um, but yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be fun. Two o'clock, uh, or excuse me, 2.30 on ESPN2. The line did move a good bit, David. It started at four, and then now it is up to seven and a half. Um, Ooh. So, yeah, yeah over-under is 65. Four feels like pretty easy money. Seven, yeah. you're getting a little more reasonable, but uh, I still like Ole Miss. Yeah. All right, we're going to take our final break here. When we come back, we'll go around the country, talk the rest of week one the comings and goings there and some of the, the big storylines that caught our attention because there were some big ones. So hang tight. We'll be right back. This podcast is brought to you by Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. Get on over to see Cody Allen and the crew to take on the challenge of their wide, plush Zoiza Fairways and large championship Bermuda greens. They have two putting greens to hone in your game with the flat stick, a driving range, and a chipping green to tighten up the short game. Book a tee time online at olivebranch.com or give them a call at 662-893-4444. That's Cherokee Valley Golf Course in Olive Branch, Mississippi. This podcast also comes to you thanks to Bluff City Advisory Group, Memphis's leading team of finance professionals who can provide advanced assistance with financial planning, pension, and qualified plan support, and business and estate planning strategies as well. Former Ole Miss Rebel and founding partner Ben Still, along with his elite-level customer service team, make it their goal to help you meet the ongoing demands of your financial needs. Learn about this and more at bluffcityadvisory.com. Final segment here on Daytime Fireworks. All right, David, the big one Saturday, it was impossible to ignore it because everybody was talking about it. The Colorado Buffaloes go on the road and shock the world. And I I would say whip TCU, but the score was a lot closer than I thought the play was for Colorado, but they outlast TCU on the road 45-42. Shador Sanders throws for 510 yards. That's a single-game record for the Buffaloes. And um, Travis Hunter, as advertised, 119 receiving yards, played 129 snaps. That is not going to be sustainable for an entire season. Um, But he had uh, had an interception. He was electric. Um, This was it. And look, I hand up, I, I I was completely wrong on this one. I thought TCU would handle them. I didn't think Colorado was ready. And boy, they were ready and then some. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's no other way to slice it. I mean, that was an incredible debut for, to me, I, you know, I, Deion Sanders, a lot has been said about him, but you, you mentioned Shadur Sanders, and that's the, that's the Sanders that really impressed me. Um, you know, anytime, you know, you get into your kid being the quarterback and all that stuff, you, you just wonder that dynamic, but he looked great. 
Um, I'm not ready to like crown Colorado or anything yet, but I think no. they've shown that that they're, you know, that they're going to be a tough out. I think at times in the Pac-12. So I'm, I think everybody's fascinated to see where this goes because it was, it was a heck of a debut. Like you said, you know, TCU a real discipline program that's been good for a long time, and to really go in there and take it to them. I mean, you know, TCU, like you said, hung around and made that pretty close, even closer than I, I expected late. But, um, you know, that's there's just no other way to put it. That's a really impressive win in, in your debut. Elsewhere around the country, Monday night, um, again, a shocker. I don't think anybody expected it. I didn't. I was wrong again. I had Clemson covering 12 and a half, and I wasn't even losing any sleep over it. I was like, this is easy money. Cash it. Nope. Duke absolutely manhandled Clemson. I mean, it, it wasn't yeah, that, close, David. Yeah, that's what I, you know, because Clemson, there was a little bit of similarity to that LSU-Florida State game in that, you know, LSU had some chances, made some bad fumbles, some turnovers. Clemson had a little bit of that. But the difference is LSU was making those mistakes against Florida State, which is one of the best teams in the country. Whereas Clemson had these troubles against Duke. And then once Duke got that momentum, like you said, it sure looked like, you know, if you had no idea what was going on, it looked like Duke was the top 10 team and Clemson was the one. It was, it was impressive to see, like you said, I don't know if it was just a, you know, Clemson not gave up, but just lost its motivation or something like that. But Duke looked really good and Clemson did not look really good. Yeah. I mean, it, Tom Luganville was on the sideline. He said there was there was no difference in team speed whatsoever the entire night. Duke was prepared. They were, I mean, calculated defensively, offensively. Riley Leonard was really good. He outplayed Cade Klubnick. Um, even more funny, just the, the layers to this, Duke's first win over an AP Top 10 team was on September 30th, 1989. That was when Steve Spurrier was the coach. Okay. That's what to say. Yeah. They beat Clemson in that game. Last night, Spurrier and members of that team were at the game watching that one unfold, which is pretty really? wild. Um, mm -hmm. but yeah, just just crazy. Um, just a remarkable job by Mike Elko. Um, in 14 games, he has um uh so he was nine and four, I believe. In year one, um, that was their third nine-win season since 1941. Their first win over Clemson since 04. First top 10 win, like I said, since Spurrier was there in 89. And their first multi-touchdown victory over a top 10 team since 1971. Um, Sounds Mike, pretty good to me. Yeah, yeah I, Mike Elko is a guy. He, he went to UPenn. Um, you know, so you know, you know, he loves him some academia. I, I wonder how much longer Duke can hold on to him because if he keeps this going and can either match or best what he did last year with nine wins. Some people are going to be going to be giving him a phone call pretty soon. Um, yeah. He's doing, still pretty young too. He's like 46 or 47, I think. Yeah. Doing that at Duke is, is remarkable. Um, it's crazy. So um, yeah, I was shocked. Uh, Clemson just did not look like the Clemson that we've seen in previous years. I'll ask you this. Is the shine a little bit off the program here? Because Britt Venables is gone, and there's no Trevor Lawrence, there's no Tosh Boyd, there's no Deshaun Watson over there under center. Is Clemson in trouble, or was this just a, you know, kind of got your ass kicked one night? <laughs> um, I, I, I have thought about that. I'm not totally sure, but I, I think the alarm bells are going off right now. I mean, yeah. you know, it's one game. Like you said, Mike Elko's done a nice job at Duke. They got him. It, it's not necessarily the end of the world, but I think what was closer to the end of the world was, like you said, just watching the talent differential, which there wasn't much of one, which could concern everybody. Oh, and we'll see. Again, you know, teams lay eggs all the time, but I think, you know, with the way last season ended, opening this season, I'm not ready to, like, say Clemson's dead yet, but it's, I, like I said, the alarm bells are going off in the facility there. Yeah. It's just no real, 
playmakers stepping up. Um, Will Shipley was was pretty good, um, but they it seemed like he was being used too much. Um, right. And for a head coach and a staff and a program that kind of scoffs at the transfer portal and says they don't need it, um, they look like they needed a wide receiver, somebody from the portal because um, they were struggling to find people for big plays late in that game when they needed it. I mean, they were just the lack of downfield threat, um, which they do have a really good wide receiver in Antonio Williams. Um, it, it just, yeah, it, alarm bells are certainly going off, like you said. Yeah, just, I mean, you know, we've got, Clemson has done it at a high enough level now for long enough that, you know, it wasn't like a flash in the pan and anything. And I, and it's, it would be hard to see that Dabo just completely loses it. But I think, you know, you mentioned last night that obviously Venables isn't there anymore. How much of a fact that factor, you know, was that him leaving? Um, it's just, yeah, Clemson needs to figure out something because I something's kind of out of whack there. And I think they can get it back. I don't think it's like a, a totally unsalvageable situation, but they, they don't look like the Clemson that I've seen over the past, you know, eight to ten years. Yeah, I, I do remember thinking last year that I thought Kay Klubnik was pretty good. Um, you know, he was young, true freshman, but you know, I was hey, let's 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 wait a little bit and see what he looks like in the next couple of years. I wasn't ready to crown him, but I, I don't watch a ton of Clemson. Like I don't have ACC network. I, I'm not paying the extra fifteen dollars a month to watch <laughs> ACC games. So I don't see them as much. So I kind of wait and, and see what others who do say and listening to national, you know, podcasts and radio people all throughout the off season, everybody thought that this year was going to be, you know, oh, Clemson's mad. Like they're, they're going to be out to prove a point this year. And, you know, DJ Uyunglele is gone. So now K club the man, there's no quarterback competition. There's no battle. They were ready to unveil, you know, this new offense with Garrett Riley who came over from TCU and what he did last year with, with Max Duggan and that offense was so crazy, but man, they just, I mean, just not even close to that on Monday. I mean, just there's, they're going to be some soul searching in that building all week. Yeah, no, that's, that's what those games that, you know, a 21 point loss to Duke, you know, and and no disrespect again to Duke and Mike Elko and the job that they've done, but this is Clemson, man. And and like you, Klubnik to me, like is, is fine. He's good enough. I don't know if he's a, a super duper star, but they ought to be able to make it work with him. I think he's good enough. It was it was the players around him, like you said. You know, Antonio Williams. Either they couldn't get him open or wouldn't get it. You know, I they just the playmaking ability just didn't look as as good as Clemson teams I've seen in the past. And then defensively, I, I just thought they looked pretty average too. Yeah, I, it was it was crazy because, you know, that the elite quarterback was such a big part of the Clemson run, and then they were just so good defensively. They were just – just Well, they were good on the defensive line too. They yeah, had that line. It, was, it seemed like guys that were there for like seven years, even before COVID, like they, they had – who were those defensive linemen that were there forever? Because they were on the All America team every year. Uh, I'll have to go back and look, but I mean, they had like, what, like Shaq Lawson, um, you know the the recent guys with like Brian Brzee. Um, I mean, they they've had so many guys go into the league. Um, I'm trying to get it pulled up here because yeah, I mean, like Claylin Farrell, Clay, Chris, Clay, Chris, Claylin Farrell. That's the yeah. guy I was thinking of. Yeah, Christian Wilkins, Dexter Lawrence. Yeah, Dexter um, Lawrence that I'm looking at the same. Yeah, okay, yeah, but it was those, you know, because, yes, they had really good quarterback play, but I always thought that defensive line kind of kept them so competitive. It's what made them, to me, yeah. you know, high-level SEC caliber, a a a able to, you know, face the Alabamas of the world when you've got NFL caliber defensive linemen. That goes a long way to, to bridging yeah. that gap. Yeah, that was I was just kind of talking through it last night with people watching that unfold, and that's what everybody kept saying too was like they don't have that big dominant, you know, fast defensive line like they normally do, and right. it's 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 weird because um, yeah, I mean they were 
I mean, Riley Leonard ran away from some people last night and, you know, they had some, some long runs where they were running away from linebackers and, and defensive backs. I mean, it was, it was weird. I don't know how Riley Leonard stayed in bounds on that one touchdown run he had. That was an, that was an impressive run. And also well, you, I, I like Duke's uniforms look good. So did old Misses, by the way. I like those, those red ones with stripes on the shoulder pads. Yeah. The Duke helmets were sharp. I love the old English text. Um, Real quick, I'll, I don't know if you know this, but Riley Leonard played so well and probably helped him stay in bounds because you know his mom texts him before every game and tells him he sucks, right? <laughs> I didn't know that. There's got to be a story behind that. She says she does it to keep his ego in check. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess that's something that's you an can awesome. Write. Right. I mean, that's that's awesome, actually. I like um, little tidbits like that. That's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, my only critique about the Ole Miss, uh, uniform, they got to put stripes on the pants, David. It's driving me insane. Even it drives me even more insane because they had white pants with red stripes in like 2014 or 20, uh, like didn't 20... they break that out against Alabama? It was like the Chad Kelly years or something. No, it, I remember specifically the, um, the game that Robert Kimdichi had a receiving touchdown, he had that the uniform they had on uh, were the white pants with the red stripes. So they've done it before. And I don't know where the pants went. I don't know if like Hugh Freeze took them with him when he was fired. I, I, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm they're going. Back now, I didn't. I didn't notice that the red stripe was even missing. But now I'm looking at pictures of the game, and you're right. I I think they look fine without it, but I think they look even better with it. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it would just pop a little better with the red, right? Um, and... But I love the red jerseys. I think it looks good. Old Miss actually has really tough colors to screw up. Like, yeah, yeah. I know. I know a lot of people grovel a little bit at. Um, the white helmets or, you know, not wearing the traditional colors as much, but yeah, it's, it's pretty damn hard to screw up red, white, and blue. And then the powder is just so good. Yeah, no, I mean, they've, they've, they've hit the nose. Uh, and, and I've mentioned on this podcast, you know, back like 15 years ago when I was living at Oxford, I was like, why don't they do more powder blue? That was kind of before the, uh, the uniform explosion, you know, where everybody has like nine yeah. different uniforms, but um there's there's something to be said for for tradition i like that a little bit but i I think with old miss you can stay within the color scheme and keep it fairly classic while also looking fresh speaking of looking fresh florida state Ooh, you want to talk about blowing the doors off i mean they that second half was impressive yeah i you said you didn't think clemson quit they just got whipped by duke I think LSU quit in that second half. Yeah, I quit is always such a strong word. I think they just got punched in the face and had no idea. How, you know, they <laughs> yeah. they Maybe faced a little some both. adversity, right? Because that first half, like the thing that I will say about LSU, you know, that first half they played fine. You know, they had some big turnovers, could have had a bigger lead. I, I think talent wise, I think they're in a different spot than. Clemson is, you know, when we talk about, you know, highly rated teams that lost games, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, Clemson, I thought athletically looked in trouble. I still think LSU has the players. I I think they showed that in the first half and I think they'll be fine if they can get it right in the head, but yeah, Florida state came out and absolutely Mm -hmm. steamrolled them in the second half. And, and I think that was as much, Florida State being impressive as it was LSU collapsing too. I, I think Florida State right. was, was just really, really good. So, yeah, I mean, Mike Norvell, that's a statement game. I, I thought that was really impressive. Yeah, it was um, the, the first half, like you said, it was a it was a good game. It was back and forth. LSU, Jane Daniels, that offense, they were finding ways to, to move the sticks, keeping Florida State on their heels. But, man – just 31 unanswered second half points. And it just, it was a, it was a, the route was on. I mean, it was incredible. Jordan Travis, the play calling was great. I I think at times Mike Norvell can get a little too cute, get a little too, a little too fancy for my, for my taste, but man, he had some really good play calls. Um, The fourth down one, 
with the uh, the play action thrown to the running back out of the backfield. It's completely wide mm-hmm. open. That was a great play call. Um, and then, I mean, this is going to give a lot of Ole Miss fans PTSD, but Keon Coleman is special. Um, <laughs> my goodness, he just was dominant. Yeah, he was great. It, you know, it really looked like, you know, for a long time, Florida State has just been kind of like Tennessee was wandering in the wilderness for a long time. And, you know, <laughs> it, it looked like there, Norvell, would he be able to get it together? But this this was the first time I watched Florida State where you kind of – that it, it's a team that knew who it was and, and yeah. had a personality and an identity, you know, and it has great players, like you said, Keon Coleman, like you said, looked great. Um I mean, they've got the players. It, it looked like a mature program that's ready to be really good again. Ten-year anniversary of that 2013 season when they won it all. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and look, I, after that game, I, I was telling everybody, I was like, man, I'm fired up for that Florida State-Clemson game now. Now it looks like that game's going to be an absolute beatdown. Um, but, yeah, I, I hate to say this because it's cliche. I think it's kind of stupid at times, but. I don't know. When Florida State's good, it, it, it kind of makes college football a little more fun. It's a little more balanced when there's like a, you know, a couple powers in each conference to make things interesting for the playoff. Because for a while, you know, the ACC. Oh, I just, totally agree. Yeah. It was the just ACC always was Clemson. Clemson and, yeah. Yeah. So Clemson now. Pray for rain. Um, yeah. Yeah. Because like now you've got, I mean, North Carolina, like they, maybe South Carolina's not very good, but, but North Carolina looked good. Florida State looked good. Duke looked good. Um, so now the ACC's got a little got a little intrigue now. It's not just one team at the top. Um, but um, all right, last thing here, and then we're gonna head out. New quarterbacks: Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State. Who kind of uh, Tennessee? We'll throw Tennessee in there. I know Joe Milton played in the bowl game, whatever. But um, new quarterbacks out there. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to see everybody, but you know wh- what did you think of the new quarterbacks at, at at you know the two SEC schools and then at Ohio State? You know the one that I actually watched quite a bit was the Tennessee game. I did watch Joe Milton, and I was I was impressed. I, I liked the way. He just moved. I mean, you know, his numbers weren't huge or anything like that. I think he threw for about 200 yards. I'm looking 21 to 30, 201, two touchdowns. Um, Jalen Wright was really good running the ball. Um, I I just liked what I saw from Joe Milton. I don't think he's going to be, you know, put up just crazy numbers, but I think he can do the things with a good team around him. Um, Mm. I I think that's going to be a really good offense. And I think it's built for those, kind of rugged SEC games in November. So we'll see how it goes. There's a lot of time between now and then. But I really liked what Tennessee did against Virginia. I I, I liked watching Joe Bell. As far as as the other guys, I didn't watch them as much. Um, you know, Carson Beck seemed fine. Ohio yeah. State, you know, just looking at that, that score at the end, it wasn't super impressive. It's hard to know how good Indiana was. But what do you think? I, like I said, I didn't see those guys as much. Yeah, I mean Beck was was solid. Uh, UT Martin, which shout out to Kincaid Dent, he had a pretty good stat line over there against the Bulldogs. Um, <laughs> yeah, Carson Beck was twenty one to thirty one for two ninety four touchdown, no picks. Um, you know he didn't have to do a whole lot in that one. Um, so yeah, he he looked about like I thought he would. Just you right. Know, hey, just 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 hand the ball off and throw it to the playmakers. Stay out of the way. Um, and then, yeah, Alabama. And that's, and that's a harder that's a harder skill than it sounds like, too. Sometimes, yeah. you know, like the the whole game manager type thing, you know, the AJ McCarrens of the world. Like that's still a hard job. Like even if you're not necessarily. Anyway, I just wanted to yeah. throw that out. But especially for a team like Georgia in the middle of its run, you just want a guy that's going to be rock solid and makes good decisions. Yeah, goes the speed limit, doesn't drive like right. a maniac. Um, <laughs> which I see literally what you did there. Literally and figuratively. Um, Alabama, you know, a little bit more the same. Uh, A little bit of a slow start. Middle Tennessee, you know, kind of punched them in the mouth for a little bit. And then Alabama's athletes took over. Um, 
242 total yards, you know, that, that's serviceable. Um, the one that's very interesting to me is Ohio State. And now they were on the road at Indiana to open the year, but you're Ohio State. You have all the talent. Right. Uh, I mean, their defense, I, I believe they've got like, like five or six dudes on like, you know, 2024 draft boards. Like their defense is supposed to be loaded. Um, Marvin Harrison Jr. had two catches for 18 yards. That's not going to work. Um, they settled for three field goals and they were two for 12 on third downs. Um, McCord was 20 of 33 for 239 and an interception. Um, they did play uh, Devin Brown a little bit. Um, McCord is going to start this week. Um, but uh, I did see I did see Ryan Day said he wanted to play uh, Devin Brown a little bit more um, than he did this past week. But yeah, it was um, I expected more from Ohio State. Um, again, like, yeah, it was just kind of underwhelming. Like they did yeah. have to start in conference play. That can always be a little weird, you know. The, the fight in Tom Allen's can yeah. be can be tougher than you expect. But the one thing I do like for Ohio State is they've got a couple weeks now to figure this out a little bit. They got Youngstown state and then Western Kentucky before a huge game at Notre Dame. So they got a little while to figure it out. I, I I'm not, it, it wasn't the greatest week one I've ever seen, but you know, I, I think by September 23rd, that Notre Dame game, I think they'll have some things figured out. Yep. Speaking of having things figured out, if you haven't done so by now, make sure you subscribe to the talk of champions podcast network we have got shows every day of the week for you that means we will have more coming this week full of week two prep and uh also be sure to check out the youtube page the om spirit youtube page subscribe like hit the bell all that stuff we will have podcasts up there for you we'll have some video up there as well and um of course be sure to check us out at omspirit.com, an affiliate of On3 for all the latest news and notes and recruiting coverage. So for David Brandt over there, I'm Zach. This has been Daytime Fireworks. And until next week, we're out of here. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.